0: Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, a passage I I, I trust that many of us are familiar with, maybe not all of us, and that's okay. But we'll rank up there as one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Ezekiel 37, you'll find it on page 766 of your pew Bibles. If you do not own a, a Bible, feel free to take that Bible home with you. And before we get started, take your pictures. This bad boy's about to come off. Okay? Did you get your picture, Imogene? You got a couple from every angle, good, because. There we go. Oh. Breathe. Now we can go Pentecostal. There we go. With that, if you will, stand with me out of reverence for God's holy word. The prophet Ezekiel writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 1. And the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me around among them. Behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son a man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, they lived and stood on their feet in exceedingly great army." And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, we ask, as always, you would open our hearts that we would receive your word, our mind that we would understand it, our eyes that we would see your glory, our ears that we would hear and heed your word, our mouth that we would speak the truth of the gospel to ourselves, to one another in love, and to a lost and dying world around us. May you open our hands and our feet that we will go in obedience to Christ, transformed by his gospel. May I decrease so that you can increase. Name your son, we pray. Amen. May you be seated. It may sound like a strange question to you. I don't know, but do you ever find yourself talking to yourself? Is is, is that a habit you have? You know, maybe you're you're trying to figure out the carburetor, or maybe something's wrong with the recipe, or or maybe you're, you you need to say something, but you know that you shouldn't say it to anyone else. You know, I don't know. Do you, do you ever talk to yourself? I got to warn let you know that that's a McDaniel problem. Like we, we we McDaniel's do this. Like my dad is the world's worst at this. And in fact, yesterday I was over at his house, and uh, we were doing odds and end jobs uh, in and outside of the house, and. he started talking to himself and I knew having grown up in that house you don't respond but a lot of people do respond right and and I find myself that I do this all the time all the time I'm talking to myself work things out it's me thinking out loud which can be quite quite dangerous and and I do that and and my wife didn't grow up in a house like that and so she'll ask would you say I said I didn't say nothing well you were talking like yeah But you weren't in on the conversation. (laughs) I was talking to myself and myself and I aren't getting along right now. We're trying to figure things out. Now, to me, that's normal behavior. I grew up in that sort of household. I do it myself. That's that's just the way we roll. But to my wife, it's odd. It's odd. Why do you have to stand there and talk to yourself like that? It's bizarre. And she has a points, But at least I'm not talking to dead people. Right? I mean, what would you do? Go out to the cemetery, graves open, guys standing in the middle, Bible open, preaching. Talk about a need for psychoanalysis. Talk about a, someone who, has, who is quite bizarre. Talk about what happens after a year of international pandemic. Nevertheless, what we have here is quite a strange scene, and it is meant to be a strange scene. Ezekiel is a strange prophet who did a lot of strange things, and this is perhaps his most, most known of all his, his strange of, of activities. And, and here he is in the middle in this vision, a, a valley of dry bones preaching, thinking something is going to happen. Let us begin here in the first 10 verses looking at that, that valley. And the scene is set for us there in the first two verses. The hand of the Lord is upon him. He brings him out in the spirit of the Lord and sets him in the middle of, of this valley. It, it is full of, of dry bones. Now, don't forget two things about who, who this character is, who Ezekiel is. Two things you need to know about him. Number one, he's a Jew. Jews, if they were to see this scene of of this this tokeness valley of dry bones they would be appalled because the jews buried bodies they, they 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 were careful in how they treated the body from conception to burial this is why we in our judeo christian uh, context we bury because you, you show honor to the body which is a sign of respect and honor to their legacy and memory and their lives and and so and so the, the idea of leaving a carcass out to be buzzard food and, and 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 to be subject to the wind and, the, and 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 the rain and everything would be unheard of but you don't just have a carcass out there becoming dry bones you have a ocean of bodies that are now a valley of dry bones this would have been appalling to him not only that it would have it would have brought to his memory the warnings of God's judgment upon his people in Deuteronomy 28 it says, But it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God, that the Lord shall cause you to be defeated before your enemies. And you will be an example of terror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses will be food to all the birds of the sky and to the beasts of the earth, and there will be no one to frighten them away. No doubt Ezekiel, knowing his Bible, can, can certainly see that, that what you have here in this valley of dry bones is, is an army completely defeated under the judgment of God. And, and it would have brought great fear and trepidation to him. Not only that, we need to see here that Ezekiel is not only a Jew, he is also a priest. Which means that that cleanliness and holiness uh, is is, and ceremonial cleanliness was very important to his occupation. And part of being ceremonially clean was not to touch the deceased. The second you did that, you had to go through a whole series of rituals that that took a period of time in order to be cleansed enough, to be clean enough, to go back to be uh, a priest. And so here he is, this Jewish priest this prophet-priest in the middle of a valley of dry bones. And as if that isn't weird enough, this vision that he's getting, verse 3 really shows us how odd this narrative is going to get. God asks Ezekiel a very strange question. Do you believe these bones can live? Now, how in the world do you answer a question like that? Let me ask you, do you believe these bones can live? Now, we understand what light bulbs and germs are, so we know the answer to this question, right? We educated, right? I I went to public school in Owen County, so you know I know the right answer, right? And the answer is no. These bones can't live. You can't. It ain't going to happen. Remember, all you have here are bones, and they are very dry. You don't have uh, organs. You don't have, you don't have lungs and hearts and spleens and skin. You don't have blood. You don't have breath. You don't have uh, brain matter. You don't have a conscience. You don't, you don't have a soul. You don't have anything here. And besides, what bone goes with what bone? And you'd be lucky to put together the original skeleton, let alone... To to bring life to these bones? It's, It's a really ridiculous question coming from God, isn't it? The answer is clearly no. Now, maybe Ezekiel remembers the story of Elijah and Elisha that came before him. But even in those resuscitation narratives, remember that at least there was still a body there. There was still the heart and the lungs and the stomach. At least that was still there. Here you have a, an ocean of drying bones. This is impossible. These bones cannot live. But that's not the answer Ezekiel gives. It's the answer I would give, because I'm a lifelong uh, member, card and all, of O.E. of Little Faith Club. But he gives a better answer. Notice there at the end of verse three, O oh Lord God. You know, now this is an answer of faith. Only God knows if these bones will live. He demonstrates uh, that that He Himself cannot do this, but if God so wills it and desires, these bones indeed can live. And so, what what, what God does is He tells Ezekiel to preach. To these bones Bible open middle of the cemetery to preach and notice what he says there verse verse 4 he said to me prophesy over these bones and say to them oh dry bones hear the word of the lord now let me ask you do bones hear do bones hear now I guess it's nine years ago, this month actually, is when I lost my hearing in one ear. And and I did a lot of research on how the ear works and what causes this or that, how to fix this or that. And one of the things I discovered is that your smallest bones in your body are in your ear. But it is not the job of your bones to hear, right? Your bones don't hear. They may help in the process of hearing, but these bones don't have ears to hear. They're just bones. Can these bones live? Say to these bones, prophesy to these bones. But then notice what he does. Verse, verse five, he says, "So you're going. This is what you're going to say. Thus says the Lord God to these bones: Behold, I will cause breath to enter you; you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am I am the Lord." And then, if you read in verses, uh, 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 seven and eight, you see that that what he is told to do then becomes a reality. So he says there, verse seven, I prophesied as I was commanded. And I, as I prophesied, there was a sound, there was a rattling, these bones. Now just pause there for a minute and let that Stephen King-esque scene just sort of sink deep into your soul, right? You're in the middle of a cemetery. And when the bones start rattling is when you start running, right? I, I mean, look, I, I, there's a limit, right? The sermon's over with when bones start moving. I don't care how charismatic you are, okay? <laughs> you know, uh, they, no, no, I, I'm sorry. I believe they can live, but someone else can be there when the bones start rattling, okay? When the teeth start chattering, I stop talking, right? That's, that's just something I decided in seminary. That, that, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. But the bones are rattling, and bone came together, bone to its bone. I looked, behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. Now you'll notice there, this is the opposite of decomposition. Decomposition. He preaches, and what what does he hear first? He hears the the rattling of the bones, and and, and they come together. That was the last part, right? When the bones started to to fall apart and and, and to separate. And now what is it you have? You have sinews and ligaments and and cartilage and organs and flesh and skin. All of this is, is coming together. And so what we see here is that God is doing something with these bones before Ezekiel's eyes, and, and, and he, he can't believe what it is he is seeing. And then note what he says, starting in verse 9. He said to me, "Prophesy to the breath, prophesy so to man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come for the four winds of breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them. Now, does that sound familiar to you, if you know your Bible? Sounds like Genesis 1 and 2, doesn't it? Sounds like creation. You remember, there is Adam. He is created from the dust of the earth. And then what does God do? He breathes in him and gives him life. Remember in Hebrew, the word for breath is the same word for wind and the same word for spirits. It's the same thing in the Greek because Jesus will will mess with this. In John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, when we'll speak of the wind, you don't know which direction the wind is coming from or where it's going. So too is the spirit. It's the same word, wind and spirit in the Greek. So, too, you have the Spirit of God entering them. You have the breath of God entering into into them. And you'll notice there at the end of verse 10, what stands before Ezekiel? An exceedingly great army. What was once a, a mass grave is now a great army. What a scene. Can you imagine seeing that? Even if it is just a vision. Can you imagine seeing something like this? Well, that's still valid. Let, let's look, verses 11 through 14, at, at, at the vision. We get the background starting in verse 11. Son of man, these bones are the house, whole house of Israel. Now, we've been looking at parables for several months now, since the first of the year. And this is like a parable, isn't it? It's an Old Testament version. More a prophetic parable, but a parable nonetheless. These bones are like the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. And this is why the background of of what we have here, Ezekiel, is so important. The vision doesn't appear in a vacuum. Rather, what we need to see here is that Israel is in captivity. Not just any captivity, the Babylonian captivity. You know the story, right? When, when, when the northern tribes are already taken and gone, so all you have left are the two remaining tribes of Judah and Benjamin, and, and here comes Nebuchadnezzar, who then will become King Nebuchadnezzar. And he desecrates uh, the city. He destroys the temple. He pollutes the land, and he spreads out the people. So, so he doesn't move them all to one area, nor does he conquer them and subjugate them. No, he spreads them out in the hopes that they would become like a valley of dry bones. How do you know that this tribe is with this tribe? And these people are pure. These people over here are still holy, and they haven't given in to the pagan culture all around them. And so what you have then is this feeling that all hope is lost. There is nothing they can do to revive the promises of God given to their ancestors and the people of Israel. God had warned them that if they had remained obedient, God will bless them. But if they were disobedient and 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 and... What would follow would be that of destruction and captivity. And so what we see in the Babylonians is the wrath of God burning against his people. And so to them, their circumstances were hopeless. They were dispersed throughout the ancient Near Eastern world. All hope was lost. They were a valley of dry bones. But you'll notice what happens in verse 12. Going all the way down to verse 14, I want you to highlight one word as we go through here. See if you can catch the word I want to emphasize. I will open your graves. I will cause you to come out of your graves. I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have opened your graves. I have caused you to come up out of your graves. I will put my spirit within you. I will place you on your own land and you will know that I have spoken and I have done it. What's the most important word in those three verses? It isn't what Ezekiel did. It's not what Israel had accomplished. It is what God had done by his mights. You tell me outside of Ezekiel, standing in the middle of dry bones preaching. Does he do in this story? He does absolutely nothing. You tell me what what incredible deeds these dry bones do to deserve their resurrection. Anything? No. This is exclusively the creative work of redeeming God. So too we see what Ezekiel is trying to tell his people God alone will do the impossible. God alone will bring redemption. God alone, by His grace, will set them free. It is God who calls. It is God who raises. It is God who revives. It is God who does all for His glory. Well, if that's the valley in the vision, what, what do we do with this? Why is this so important to look at on Resurrection Sunday I think there's a couple points we need to make looking at this text. The first is is that I believe there is not a more fitting image of our culture than a valley of dry bones. If there ever was a so-called Christian America I'm convinced it is no more. We are watching in real time what happens to a society when God hands citizens over to their base desires. We are a valley of dry bones. But what concerns me the most is our response to such a valley. We stand in front of a TV panels. We get worked up over every election. And we are, we are consumed with fear. Why? Are we not a people of hope? If Christianity can be conceived and even thrive in the Roman Empire, it certainly can be revived and thrive in our very own. If you believe these bones can live, now is not a time to despair. This does not mean that the future will, may not be difficult for us as believers or, or as the church. In regardless of, of the likelihood of increased struggles in a growing hostile society, we must never give up hope. God is the giver of life. Even in the midst of a valley of dry bones, we must live by faith and hope to the very end. What we need is not a new system, not a new government, not new leaders, not more legislation, not better celebrities or more followers online. What we need is resurrection. Do you believe that these bones can live? But it's not only do I see that there's not a more fitting image of the culture than a valley of dry bones. I'm afraid there's not a better image of the church than a valley of dry bones. Look, We've all read the articles. We've all seen the studies. We've all bemoaned the slow decline of our churches. And let us be honest, what we need to see here is not just the numerical decline of Christianity, but the spiritual decline of many of our churches. I believe the decay of the culture is the direct result of the decay of the local church." We have become so focused on lesser things that over these decades, perhaps even a century or more, we have lost sight of the most important thing, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let us ponder for a minute all that we've done and accomplished and focused on over the many years, perhaps the beginning of this church life and all the other churches. Have we become distracted by lesser things at the cost of the most important thing? What will give each congregation life Whether the church be large or small, new or old, traditional or contemporary, rural or urban, what gives each congregation life is not going back to the way things used to be. It's not old-time religion. It's not justifying our own biases. It isn't more of the same. The only thing that will revive a church is a renewed love for our Savior among its members that drives us both to personal repentance and corporate missions. That is our only hope. So, dear church member, are you willing to plant yourself here at this church and serve faithfully until these dry bones live? Or do you want to keep playing consumer? Do not bemoan the culture without fighting for a pure church that is both Jesus-focused and gospel-centered. For decades, the church has looked more like America than it has like Christ's bride. After all, we've bought into the American notion that what matters most is consumerism and pragmatism. If it sells, it must therefore be good. That's an American way of thinking, because as Americans, we think as consumers. I want choices. I want options. I want the best price. So we've cared too much about the size of the stage or the number of programs, how loud the music the style of worship, a more entertaining youth ministry, charismatic leaders with book deals or larger budgets. We focused on pragmatism and consumerism and what's gotten lost in it all is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What we need is resurrection. Do you believe that these bones can live? But it's not only that this is a fitting image of the culture and the church i also believe at the same time there is not a more fitting image of grace than an army of dry bones how will god give life to the dry bones of our day how will god reform our churches and reform each other If not through traditions and doing things the way we've always done them, then what is the answer? This text gives us two answers that we need to see and remember for the rest of the days of our lives. The first answer is simply the gospel. It's the gospel. In fact, it's here in the text. We need to look at the context. Go back to chapter 36. This sets up this vision of the dry balls. Chapter 36, starting in verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you profane among the nations where you went. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profane among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. You see the, 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 the application to the people of God here in this text is not about the Democrats, not about the Republicans, and not about the people in DC. It's about the people in our churches this text is about. You have profaned my name, but I will bring glory to it among the nations." He goes on there in verse 24. I will take you from among the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness. And then what you get in the next chapter is, hey, Ezekiel, let me illustrate it for you. What I am going to do among the people of God is I will bring life. I will bring my spirit. I will bring my gospel. This is the language and an image of what we call regeneration. That is when God gives life to that which is dead. Jesus, I've already referenced in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, uses the language of new birth. You must be born again. Therefore, unless sinners are reborn by coming to him who gives life, these bones will not live Unless our churches refocus on the power of the gospel and changing lives of both believers and non-believers, we will be the last generation to worship in our respective churches. May we stop undermining this gospel. Yes, we may live in the midst of a valley of dry bones, but there is a God who has defeated death and will make for himself an exceedingly great army. It is the gospel that revives. But not only that in this text, we see not just the gospel, we also see mission. And in particular, we see Ezekiel, Bible opening, among the dead, preaching. And By the way, that is all that missions is. That is all that preaching is. That is all evangelism is. It is to stand in the middle of a a valley of dry bones, Bible open, gospel proclaimed, believing these bones will live. It's not an accident that God uses Ezekiel, the preacher, not Ezekiel, the priest, to bring these bones to life. He doesn't preach polls or opinions or politics. He preaches the gospel. Thus, let us as Christians focus less on what divides us generational divides, theological divides, political divides, and more on what brings us together as our identity. And that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Whether you believe in foreign nation or foreknowledge should have no bearing on our calling to tell the world about Jesus and his old rugged cross. Whether you grew up listening to Southern gospel or contemporary Christian or even hip-hop should not prevent us from learning from each other, growing with each other, encouraging one another, and reaching the world for Christ. Whether you voted for the blue guy or the red guy or... The orange guy or the decaying guy, whichever it might be, it should have no bearing on our call to sinners to repent, beginning with me. It's time we cease all friendly fire and instead aim in our arrows at the real enemy around us: the world, the devil, and my own flesh. You see, if if, if we live in a valley of dry bones, there is an answer. And the answer is the grace of Christ. Do you believe that these bones can live? See, Ezekiel saw a vision of bones come to life. We see a son crucified for reasons of injustice and human wickedness and laid in the tomb intended for his bones to be all that is left behind. But the story doesn't end in a borrowed tomb. The story ends in the victory of when the stone is rolled away. Do you believe that these bones can live? You will, if you believe that Christ is risen from the dead is not the hope of our nation. It's not the hope of our church, the hope of our families and the hope of our marriages and the hope for you and me found exclusively in Christ. Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. And now we know on this resurrection morning that these bones, I don't know your story. I don't know what brings you out here other than it's, it's it's a big holiday for us Christians. But do you believe these bones can live? As we enter a post pandemic world, let us live, let us believe, and let us act like it. Let's pray.